As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show is presented by State Farm. Because like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today's Friday, December 10th. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. Shokapadia is going to be joining us a little bit later for our weekly pick segment. Always have a great time doing that with Shield. Today was a blast. Before we do that, though, very excited to welcome my good friend, Nate Tyson. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. I know. that's. I think that's why our Friday shows were always in such a good mood to start, because we finish up with Shield. We're just like rip and roar, and like we got everything off our chest, crack the jokes. It's like, oh. Oh, yeah, and then we got to get serious again <laughs> and talk about these games. <laughs> Podcast magic, for you guys that don't know, we record the Shield segment first, even though you yeah. hear it second. So just that's, that's kind of how it all moment. works over here. <laughs> just a little just a little bit of movie magic in the background for Marissa yeah. chopping that all together. All right, great week. We have a few things yes. that we're going to dig into. We're going to talk about some struggling offenses with the Browns and the Ravens. Talk about what the Chiefs have done on defense to turn this thing around. Who boy. I mean, just an unbelievable <laughs> shift there. Yeah. The Cardinals offense, a group that we just haven't really talked about very much because it's been Colt McCoy heavy, but they, they're yep. very good. I think it's time to start talking about maybe some of the things they're doing differently. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about the game of the week, and that's Bill's Bucks. I, this yes. may be a little bit less of a marquee matchup to some people just because of what happened to the Bills on Monday. It's not how I feel. I mean, even if the Bills are a tiny bit I don't know if disappointing is too strong a word. Even if they've let us down a little bit compared mm-hmm. to what we thought they might be early in the season or even coming into the year, this is still a damn good football game. And I want to talk about it just kind of from every single angle. So when you're thinking about this matchup, what's the first thing that you feel like comes to mind? Ooh, uh, really the first exciting thing is really Bucks offense versus Bills defense. Yeah. And I, cause I just, 
this Bills defense it does such a good job of making it tough on offenses. Hey, you got a nickel and dime us. You got to, where they're going to be tight, squeeze. I've talked about how you know what they're about to run, like the Patriots realized. You know what they're about to run. All right, how can you execute against us? Well, what does this Bucks do better than anyone is push the ball on guys, put it on teams, push it, push it, find those tight spaces, sit in soft spots, run, pound the rock when they need to pound the rock, even if it might not be the most efficient stuff sometimes, but it has improved this year, we talked about before, is, but it's this, like, this Bucks offense is actually not a great matchup for the Bills defense, but it's not like I'm saying, oh, they're going to blow them out of the water. That's what makes it fun, is that this is a smart unit that knows what they're doing. And I'm you, when I say that, you could go, is that the Bucks offense or Bill's defense is talking about? That's exactly it. Yeah. They're smart units with good players. And that's what's going to be really fun. Um, that is really the matchup I want to watch. We're, I'm sure we're going to talk about the Bills offense in a sec and all the ultimates they have. But I just want to, this Bucks offense is incredible. There's no quick game. They're pushing the ball down the field, which is just such a great way to counter these two high defenses that everyone's leaning into this year. Um, Arians and Leftwich, they don't they have zero qualms about running the ball, even when and but really the fun thing, especially that Falcons game, was watching Jensen, the center, and Tom Brady sort out protections. And it's like, God, they just have everything on this offense. It's like, man, they just do everything well. Everything's so well executed. You don't see guys tripping over themselves. You don't see guys running into each other on routes. Just the spacing's always great. Brady executing on these pass plays. It's like he Fournette's become so valuable in the passing game because the, Brady has the time to get to his fourth read. Yes, he there's so much space underneath because they're stretching so the field much. so much. He yes. has so much to work with. And when yes. that check down now becomes a check down into a six-yard sp- yes. like bit of grass, it now becomes a really valuable play. Yes, I know. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, okay, we're getting to the fourth read, but rather than being a check down for a two-yard gain, it's, oh, it's fourth and three. They're throwing the check down, but it's like, oh, he's past the sticks already when he catches it. He doesn't even have to create it yards after catch. Like he's just going to catch and fall backwards and get the first down. And the also just Brady is, oh my God, he is like, his arms just getting stronger when his 40s, which is just incredible because like the corner pocket throw to Mike Evans was, I tweeted it, is just bonkers. Like it is absolutely bonkers to see that throw. It was 989 concept. Uh, they were two by two stack and then the Falcons were in two invert, you know, Twitter's favorite coverage. And but watching Brady, watching to Brady, explain two invert very quickly. OK, um, so we're going to talk invert, about it again later because the, yeah. the Chiefs are doing it a bunch. Yes, yes. Yeah, that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Spags and Dennis Allen was a two invert guy. Greg Williams was known for running two invert. And what it originally was to do was it was to tie in safety pressure looks. So it's a way to like, hey, that looks like a weak side safety pressure. But then you run. So two ever, if you picture cover two, it's a two safeties, you know, cover two. And then you have Tampa player, the Tampa linebacker. And the corners are in the flats. And the corners are in the flats. Invert, really it's one side's inverting is that now the safety is the flat player and now the corner is the deep half player. Sometimes you look at it, if you just at first just glance at it, you're like, oh, that's cover three. But then you see what happens on the other side. Exactly. Exactly. And you're like, oh, wow. Oh, so two invert, you're just inverting those guys. And while it got popular for a little bit, a lot, or a little bit, a lot, it got popular, um, I would say in the 2000s and up until about mid 2010s is because it would bait a lot of quarterbacks. Um, You're like, oh, you're getting three. Okay, there's nobody in the flat there. And then you try and throw a little flat route out there and there's a corner just crushing a guy or, you know, the down safety. But also with those pressure looks off of it, Dennis Allen did this a lot early in his Saints tenure and, and before that was, okay, that safety's creeping down. Is he coming on a safety pressure or is he just going out to the flat? It was a way to just tie it in. It was a change up off of that. 
But then what happened is quarterbacks got a lot better. Offense coordinators got a lot more aware of it. And they realized, oh, I can just throw, oh, that corner who's not used to playing deep half has no idea how to play it. Let's just throw a glance. And he has a long way to go. Long way to go with his back to the back to the offense. So on this clip, though, this is a great way to put it. Great, it's a great like execution. It's 989, which we love. Bucks love it, too. Explain they, what that is quickly. That is uh, nine routes are on a classic route tree or go balls. And eight eight is the middle read concept. You can say you can call it 999, really, but it's 989. They in a traditional offense is the eight route is a read post. So if it's a two high defense, he's going to split the safeties. If it's a one high defense, he runs a dig. Peyton Manning ran this about 15 times a game. You, you see Dallas Clark catching a dig route. It was probably 989. Um, and on that concept, Bruce Arians loves it. It is a staple of just offenses, especially right now. There, more teams are leaning into it because it's just it's classic football. It's go balls, <laughs> you know. It's go balls, and then if it's not, it's touchdown to check down. Then you just check it down. It's going to be wadded up protection. Um, the touchdown of Scotty Miller last year against the Packers was a nine eighty nine concept uh, in the playoffs. So Brady on it though, he just it's just like the fact that he can do this is just phenomenal because of his arm strength and ball placement. Is that he gets to the nine route to Mike Evans on the right sideline late because he's working the safety or really the corner who's now the deep half player. Like we said, they're not used to doing this. That corner who's bailing, or I'm sorry, that safety is bailing and everything. God, this is so confusing. Look at my Twitter account, <laughs> Nate underscore Tice, and it's a great picture of it, is that he moves that safety so he takes the eight route, Godwin, and then goes into a corner pocket throw. A weakness in cover two or soft spot in cover two is what people call the honey hole. It is the, the corner pocket throw in between the corner and the safety in a traditional cover two. Usually you hit it about 18 to 22 yards. That is the aiming point that you're throwing at as a quarterback. Brady hits it at 35 yards. And to A.J. Terrell, who's buzzing back there, he's the flat player. He's like, no way are you throwing this. And he starts hauling ass. He's like, you know, this MF is throwing it. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go. I got to go. And he hits Evans on it. It's like one of the best throws of the year, really. It's such a, yeah, uh, I, even on my notes, I said, AJ Trail looked at it and just goes, are you effing kidding me? Like he gets up just going, what do I do against that? Because yeah. he's supposed to get underneath it, but it's like, you're not expecting a quarterback to hit it 35 yards down the field or 40 yards. So it's just, that's what they can do. They can push this ball and all this comes out on time. It's like just how it looks, how the picture is drawn. And we're going to talk about how pictures are drawn and how they're actually executed with a different offense. Everything the Bucks do, Brady is hitting the spot every single time. One to two to three to four to five. They're protecting it up great. Their offensive line is playing well. It's a very, very fun unit. We've talked all year. It's been such a theme about teams being able to hit you in multiple ways. Yes. What can you go to? What's your counter punch? How can you pivot? This team is first in passing DVOA and second in rushing DVOA. Yeah. There's no answer. <laughs> nope. And it's not as if their passing game is one flavor. They can push it if they want to. They can crush you underneath. And there's just no good answer. As a defense, yep. there's no good way to handle this. And I'm really curious what the Bills are going to do and how the Bucks are going to approach them because we've seen teams that can kind of out-muscle this Bills defense. If you want to play a finesse game against them, their pass defense is excellent right now. Yep. And we'll get to a little bit of a tweak there in a second. But the Bill, the Bucks run rushing offense, to me at least, it doesn't feel like one of those running games that wants to run it down your throat. In the same way the Colts are, or mm -hmm. the Browns are, or even a team like the Eagles is. We're like, this is the baseline yeah. of who we are. The Bucks are doing it when you let them do it, right? Yeah. They get a decent amount of light boxes because they're in a three wide receivers a lot of the time. That's what they want to do. It's like, all right, when we need to run it, we can run it. Against yeah. this Bills team, they're going to say, we think we can run it. So I, that's my question is, against this Bills team, we've seen struggle against the run recently. 
how do the Bucks approach this? Yeah. But the other consideration here, the Bills in what they the way they play defensively, play a lot of quarters. We know that that's like the, the baseline of what this defense has been under Sean McDermott for years. But one of the slight little tweaks that they've had to this version of it is they've played a little bit more man than they did last season. And as man coverage percentages have fallen across the league, the Bills has risen from last year. Not a ton, but yeah. a little bit. It's Enough just, to note. Yes. Enough to note. It's like three and a half percent. It's a, and it's just it's more notable because the league overall has gone away from it. Yeah. So and they they have not. So yeah. that has been a nice little wrinkle for them to throw in. It's like, oh, we can play man when we need to, and that's a nice thing to be able to lean on. Now, you take out your best corner against yeah. arguably the best receiving duo in the NFL, and you replace Trey White with Dane Jackson. Are you as comfortable playing man coverage? If you're going to be in more static zones, what are you going to do against Tom Brady? That's where this thing starts to kind of fall apart a little bit, potentially. And we have not seen what this pass defense looks like against a real pass offense without Trey White. Because the team they played on Monday threw the ball three times. God, there was no dropbacks. Yes. That, that, that's another thing about this Bucks offense is all those deep passes I just talked about or what those pass, those aren't play actions. That's just old school five and seven step drop back. I mean, they do some play action, but that's old school. They five don't do and it a lot step. for a vertical no. passing offense. They no. do not use a lot of play action. It is so old school and it's awesome. I mean, it's, it, we, we, God, I mean, Don Coryell would fucking love this offense. Love it. <laughs> love it. Oh my God. It is just, I mean, I wish Randy Moss was in this offense. Cause it's just like, it's just, it's touchdown to check down. It is just, it is just like it's pure. It's like pure uncut offense. That's the best way I could put it. <laughs> I, I, it's so, that's why I get. I just even break down one play. I just get so excited because we we've talked about it before. They make hard offense look easy, and that's the biggest compliment you could ever give a team. They make the hard stuff look easy, and everybody's just so on the same page. And oh, and we haven't even talked about Gronk. I mean, maybe because we gushed about him on Sunday night. It's like we haven't even talked about him. And it's just uh, they have tight ends that they can lean to. Um, Gio Bernard is a great scat back for him. Like, it's, and they don't even need they, that now. They, Leonard they Fournette don't. is playing the Gio Bernard role. It's it's what wild. the hell? I know, I know. He got on the he got on the TB twelve plan or something. Like, because he <laughs> he looks great. I know. I, it's just, I mean, his vision still isn't there, but it's like also he led the league in drop percentage. It was the stat I kept going to last year. He led the league in drops, like and not just drop numbers, but drop percentage. He's not dropping it now, and it's like, oh, those are all those five yard gimmies, six six yard gimmies, and it's like, oh my god, now they can hit singles. Like, it's like you know they're. It's not just home runs. It's just their on-base percentage, their slugging percentage is just through the roof. It's Barry Bonds in 2001. That's what this Bucks offense is like watching. It's just terrifying because every at-bat, every time you have to defend them, it's just like, all right, what now? Let's just intentionally walk them. <laughs> you wish you could do that against this offense. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
let's get to the other side of the ball because I find this just fascinating and, and yeah. what it might look like. You look at what the Bills had to do against New England. I mean, they are not set up to play in that sort of game. I don't think there are a lot of huge big picture takeaways from that game because the Bills offense is not built to play in a windstorm. That exposes a somewhat of a weakness and their yeah. inability to pivot between styles offensively in the same way that a team like the Bucks can. But now you're playing against a team in Tampa who wants to stop the run. They want to line up in those heavy boxes on early downs and not let you do anything on the ground. So now, what is a Bills passing game that they need in order for their offense to function look like against this Bucks defense that is now healthy? They got Carlton Davis back. They've got some of their guys on the back end. So I just feel like stylistically, this is a better matchup for Buffalo's def- or Buffalo's offense than some of the other teams they've played against recently. Yeah, and Bulls likes his pressure stuff, but his best pressure stuff really is when he can bring a safety, and and that kind of like it kind of tricks an offense because it kind of lulls you to sleep, and all of a sudden here comes a safety off the edge or something of that sort. The thing is, Bills aren't going to really get in those alignments that can take advantage of that. Like it, it's like you said, it's it, it's a Styles make fights, right? And what I'm going to crack the same joke I made on Twitter, but it's like I learned from horse racing is that you can throw out starts. You can throw out you know muddy races, a bobbled start. That's what that game was last week. It's one yeah. of those. Next time they play in a nor'easter, I, I will check out that film. But, you know, <laughs> they're playing in Tampa this week. It's It really is funny, though, that the Bills and really the Chiefs, too, is that they're like dome teams. Like, yeah, they should be they playing. They should. And and they're playing in Buffalo and Kansas City. It's like, I mean, it's what Aaron Rodgers has done in Green Bay for years and years and years. They have heated field cells, so I'm not going to give them all the credit. Uh, but but it's one of those things where it's like, wow, this team, I wish this team played in, you know, Atlanta or or New Orleans or Minnesota. Like that's what or this in team, an era five years ago where, where teams were not going to sit there and say, you're not going to throw the ball on us. Exactly. And it's like, oh, man, you, you're waiting this entire year. You've been waiting for them to to counterpunch to zig and it's like no they've leaned into this and what they are and it's their best run game right now is josh allen running it is like how they get to it which is really fun like uh uh they do they did a qt uh a gt counter with him which is what you see lamar run all the time but instead of lamar it's a six five ostrich running up the middle of the field <laughs> that was a compliment uh uh they they've done the qb draw stuff where they'll swing the back and run like an rpo with a bubble like that's the cool stuff they get in the red zone they run qb sweep with him um it's just that they're not getting those gimmies the the cole beasley read routes as much it's like they try to do everything and by doing trying to do everything you do nothing it, it's what is like the bill's best play and you kind of like have to go well, i don't I guess Cole Beasley read routes. Like, I don't know. Like for me, as a guy that tries to watch all these good offenses, I just don't know. It's yeah. like, it's like, it's what did they lean on? I don't think when, they know either. And that's the exactly. problem right now mm-hmm. is that they are trying to find answers because of yes. how drastic the shift has been and how teams are playing them. And yeah. they're still stumbling around in the dark for the light switch. It feels like, yes. all right, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> speaking for speaking of a couple teams doing that, I want to talk about two teams that are playing against each other that are struggling on offense right now and that's the browns and the ravens when you watch the ravens offense right now what is the thing that frustrates you about them the most oh wow uh it's a their offense is like when you were a kid and you went to mcdonald's and you mixed up all the cokes and and the suicide and and, yeah the suicide and it comes out brown and you're like man that doesn't taste as good as i thought and that's (laughs) that's my that's my comparison to the ravens offense uh 
man, they they try to do. I, they keep saying that they're trying to have these guys read read grass and all that. That they need structure. This offense really is lacking rules and lacking uh, consistency for everybody. And it always seems like one guy is off uh, on their on the on the page. They're all reading from the same script, and one guy's improving. And I'm not just talking to Lamar. I'm talking to receivers and tight ends as well. Um, like a good example of this, uh, uh, just of they have good concept ideas, but then they, the execution is lacking or the they lack of good rules car there. ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the wheel, the, I don't want the, the, the wheel to fall off when I'm driving. Uh, but it's uh, but it's it's all hodgepodge and not sound like the Steelers. Anytime they brought the, the Ravens were on a jet sweep, I would say every time, but a, a lot of the times um, they were triggering a guy off the slot. And the Ravens never adjusted to that. Just like in the Dolphins game where they're just getting blitzed to death. They they didn't really adjust. It was like, oh, shoot, what now? It's because they have all these good ideas for stuff, but they don't realize that defenses come up with ideas too. They expect that when you – a defensive guys all the time make fun of the offensive guys because we always draw out plays for having the perfect look. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's too high. We're, look at this, and the safety's going to bite. It's like, guess what? They have players too. They have coaches too that adjust. But my like this perfect example for it is – it was second and seven. It's the first play of the second quarter against the Steelers. So uh, Patrick Card's the the running back, which is already a huge tell that it's a, it's a pass play. It, it, you know, he's not. In you don't think he's getting the handoff? He's not getting the handoff. Okay, so right there, you already got an obvious tell on second and seven. And second and seven is a run. Uh, it could be a rundown or a pass down, depending on teams, like that, how they look at. It. Okay, well he's in there. Well now we don't have to worry about the run game stuff. Okay, so they jet sweep uh, Deverney. They have Ricard slide across the formation to seal the edge. They pull the left guard the other way. All this window dressing, blah, 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 blah. Tons of misdirection. But the Steelers, what they were doing, like I said before, anytime that jet sweep came, they would blitz a guy off the edge. Yeah. Ricard wasn't ready for it. He was like, oh, shit, there's a blitz I have to pick up? Like, he thought he was just sealing the edge for the left tackle. You know, we're sliding it. We're making it easy. So the guy gets inside, and Lamar has to do go into Lamar mode and start scrambling. But even on the design of the play, it was twenty. It would have been twenty-two personnel then. Oh no, it would have been twelve personnel because Ricard's a running back. So they had two tight ends in there. One tight end. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. So you have Mark Andrews and the other tight end. The other tight end. He runs a dig, and I mean not like a short dig at twelve yards, like a 16, 18 yard dig. Andrews is going over the top of that, like on a deep over, and then you have uh, Sammy Watkins on the outside to the left, running like a deep post. So that's all fine and good. When you run play action, you usually you're the action of the of the play action, the fake, is to drop the linebackers on the interior. Mm-hmm. If you're usually doing a jet sweep fake, you want to attack who has to tackle the jet sweep. You're putting that defender in a bind. So it's your way. That's what the run fake is supposed to do. You're jet sweeping to the right. So Devonny goes to the right. All the action of the play, or the, the concept is, is the middle of the field. Nothing got affected. So it's like this play that they designed, there's nothing underneath. So Lamar... And, and Lamar hasn't been perfect. Don't get me wrong. He's missing a lot of checkdowns. He's missing it like a lot of the easy gimme throws. But I feel like he's just not comfortable with what they're running. So he just sits there in the pocket. He's looking over the middle of the field. He has not. He has no oh shit. He has no hot throw to get rid of the ball because there's no checkdown yeah. right in front of him. So he's looking in the middle of the field because he expects his dig to come open, but not, the dig doesn't come open because no linebackers got affected because there's no play fake coming at him. So it's just like like I said, they're mixing up the coke, the sprite, the root beer. They're trying to do all this stuff, all this window dressing, but none of it makes sense. And so it's like a lot of nice ideas. Even and the run game actually hasn't been as bad as I maybe thought assumed at first. Um, shout out Devonte Freeman. He had like 
he he got rejuvenated too. TB12 <laughs> method for him too. Um, but you know, he, they're doing some fine stuff. It's not great like we we've seen the last couple of years, but it's not bad. But even here's another one. They run a triple option look. Hollywood Brown's coming around on an orbit motion behind Lamar. They fake. Well, it's a triple option, so he's reading it uh, to Devontae Freeman. They pull the guard, so they run like a power triple option. But the thing is, when you do a power triple option, the angle for the center who has to help block for the triple option part, he's not going to get to the second level. Like he just gets beat. Like so again, great on when you're drawn up on a whiteboard. Probably gets a four-three defense or a three-four typical front. Steelers went to a different front. They didn't have an answer. So Lamar, he gets like four yards on it. He just says, "Ah, shit!" He hits the oh shit button, just gets north. But that's the thing. It's just like all these nice ideas, but it's just no backbone, no, no, no rules and structure to it. And it's, so it's really, really frustrating. And that's not even getting into you know the read route stuff where two guys are ending up in the same spot, which has been one of my complaints before. It's it's one of those where it's like they make it hard on themselves. And it's like, they, okay, here we go. It's Steph Curry. It's like, I have an offense with Steph Curry in it. I only shoot threes. We're not shooting any layups. We only shoot threes. That's what this offense is doing. It's like, they're trying to do the hard stuff. It's like, dude, just make it easy on yourselves and stop trying to do all this stuff, all this funky stuff with it. And the Browns just, it feels like they have nothing easy right now. And yeah. when teams are really loading up on them, which is not a surprise, right? And just little yeah. tiny things like the Ravens were doing, the last time I saw the Browns play, the Ravens were doing some stuff with their fronts that makes a lot of sense, right? You have yeah. a shade and a four eye. So you have a shade and then a guy inside the tackle to the side they're going to run outside zone to. So essentially, there are no double teams. The center has to then block a shade to his side. And yep. it's just hard to create double teams. And you have linebackers running free. Patrick Queen made like four crazy blow up plays in that oh game. Oh, my God, right? I mean, it. Every time the Browns pulled somebody, he was just <laughs> sawing guys off. And that's, it, that is the problem here, right? Is that yep. if you're going to have all that movement, and you have guys that are just not respecting whatever the counters and those are going to be, you get yeah. run plays blown up. And that's yeah. what's happening to them right now is that they're just struggling to get hats on hats because of the way that defenses are playing them up front because they don't respect what's going to happen other than that. And they still have some really nice counter punches off play action, yeah. right? The yes. one hit, the ball they hit to Harrison Bryant down the left sideline was beautiful yes. because yes. they line up in 13 personnel with three tight ends. All three tight ends are to the of course. left, right? So you have, yeah. you have three tight ends to the one side. So Marlon Humphrey, is the outside corner, is now inside the tight end because he has a run responsibility. He yep. looks in the backfield on play action, chunk play. If you look at the play action numbers for the Browns right now, they're excellent. And they yeah. are not surprising, right? If you look at it, Baker is ever so Baker's averaging 10.8 yards per attempt on play action this year. It's the okay. third most in the NFL. The Browns are fourth in EPA per drop back on play action. But for whatever reason, and I don't know why this might be, they are 25th in play action percentage and 23rd in the number of play action dropbacks they've run this year. Hmm. I don't know why that would be. I don't know if there's something that they don't trust about about him right now or there is something amiss there. And I I don't know exactly what it is because when they go to their dropback game, it's static. It doesn't look good. It's a slant lot flats. of empty. It's a lot of slant. It's a lot of slant flats out of empty. And there's every once in a while they'll have like a nice three man concept. Like yep. they hit a little circus route to uh, I can't remember who it was to. I think it might have been to Higgins, but they cleared out Don Peoples Jones. It was nice. It was just like all right, that's that's nice. Oh yeah, it's like a little yes, three, yes, yep, like yep. three level concept. It's like okay, like yep. that looks pretty good. But their dropback stuff is not great. I mean, it is when you watch the Bucks drop back game and you watch the Browns drop back game, it looks like a different sport. Yep. And 
when you can't run the ball because teams are not letting you run the ball and your play action game is just the volume to it just isn't allowing it to be the baseline of your offense. It just doesn't feel like they have anything to go to right now. There's no like if A, then B. It's no like run and play action, run and play action. It just feels like the ingredients in the stew are a little bit off right now. And there are tiny little things, right? Like they create these chunk plays off play action. When they played the Ravens on the first or second drive, I can't remember what it was. They had a boot to the left, beautiful, same as you've seen a million times. And they had a deep over to Donovan Peoples-Jones going the other way. And then both tight ends were wide open in the flat. Right in front of them. Right. right in front. But they were standing next to each other wide open. Yeah, they, they were. They were literally standing next to each other. So he bypasses that, throws a contested ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's incomplete. Yep. On another drive, they're driving the ball. I think it was on the same drive as the Harrison Bryant chunk play. They snap the ball to Jarvis Landry in a direct snap, and he fumbles as he's trying to like run around and make a play. Yeah. I can't even imagine how frustrating it is to be an offensive coaching staff member for this team right now. It's like every chunk play is then sabotaged by something. And yes. I just feel like they don't know exactly how to put Baker in the right spots. Now I just feel like they should be spamming the play action button like way more than they are. And I don't know why I'm sure there is a reason. Like I guarantee you there is a reason that they're not. I just don't know what that reason is. Yeah. And, Man, it's, they got to throw out all those gadget plays with Jarvis Landry because it's, I feel like like I understand why of, you think you need them though because if you can't sustain it. consistent offense, you need to yep. manufacture chunk plays, and yep. that's why that throw to Harrison Bryant. Let's <laughs> see some numbers on this. Yeah, out of thirteen personnel on play action, Baker's averaging thirteen yards per attempt, <laughs> and that. For most other teams in the NFL, that would seem like a small sample size nonsense. I was going to say. Yeah, They've run 33 say. of those plays this year. No one else in the league has more than 20. I was so, going to say. So when they do that, the only one of the huge benefits of using that much heavy personnel is the play action you can run off of it. It's yes. the chunks you can get off of it. So yep. if they've done it three times a game, that needs to be like six times a game. I mean, it yep. just needs to be – Play action, run. Play action, run. Like they, that needs to be everything they are on offense because whatever their dropback game is right now, I'm. A sh- I guarantee you, it's trying to get him in a rhythm. It's trying to get him yes. comfortable. That's what they're trying to do with it. But it's so disjointed and static that it, it's sabotaging them. It's not getting yep. them where they want to go. And I think it's affecting the overall formula that they're trying to tap into. And even like they should like, be tapping into. They should. Yeah, tweak it up. Yeah, like you said, another notch. And like. And with Baker, it's just you can tell he's not playing with confidence right now. Zero. Just like, I, and I know he, that's his whole thing. And that's what I think confidence. they're trying to get him. They're trying to Correct. get him some easy completions from the shotgun. Get him just, in the rhythm. Just fuck free throws for a three point shooter. Just yes. Like, get to the line and see one go in. Like, I think that's, that's what they're exactly trying to it. do right now, but it's affecting the overall complexion of what their offense should be if they yeah. want to be explosive and dangerous. Yeah. And then and, when they have those chunk plays, they need to hit them. That Donovan yes. Peoples Jones completion needs to happen. Because they need one of those 35, 40-yard completions every single drive right now because they can't string shit together. Yes, and that's because that's what's so hard about trying to play a game where you're just trying to string together 8, 9, 10 good plays in a row. Not easy when you have no receivers, really, too. That's another and, problem is that when you uh, look at it, the Ravens, even when they're playing cover three, it is in your hip pocket cover three uh, oh, the yeah. last time they played because no one can get open. It's the no same one. problem they ran into last year without Beckham. And yep. it's the same. They do not have receivers that can create separation. And when that, your offense is static, 
in your drop back game and guys are in static alignments and you're not really using a lot of motion or like picks and, and stacks and stuff like that, then you need guys that can create separation on their own and they're not. It mm-hmm. They are it, – it's a frustrating place to be as a watcher right now. I guarantee you their offensive staff is in a frustrating place because yeah. they're trying to find answers and they cannot find any right now. The the only routes that are getting completed like on a drop backers, like we said, we were saying slam flats. It's just flats the chub. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. like, hey, out of empty. Oh my god, they have to be an empty. I have to because they have to man. And like we say, that's the word. It's just manufactured. Everything's manufactured. Nothing comes easy. Nothing's in the flow of the play. That's why drop back. And it's like yes, yeah, so the play action. Um, it can be in crutch in some ways, and that's what it's nice. It, it lifts the bar of your offense. Why you want to get to drop back, and why like I, we gush about what the Bucks are doing and everything, is that you have to defend the whole field. You have to defend. That's it's just hard for a defense to do that for forty snaps, you know, or thirty something snaps for a game. And everything right now, it's stick slant flats, and even like, like I don't want to bash Baker too much, but like even when his lack of confidence right now is when it, they ran an inverted stick, stick. So it's an outside hitch. That that's the route he's throwing. He took a full three-step drop. Stick is a catch, plant, throw. You don't drop. You don't take a three-step drop out of the gun. He takes a three-step drop so he can see around the left tackle so he can throw that ball. And so, like, even the simple stuff is now like, oh, man, you're going off script. Like, that's what that is. You can do it once or twice. But a good defense is going to just, if you try that too many times, they're going to punish you. And that's what's happening. It It reminds me of the Rams last year. Yeah, that oh yeah. Did you see the Bee Gees documentary uh, no. on HBO? Okay, all right. Well, they had a, they had a segment in it. They got like some new producer in the seventies, and he was just like, uh, he was like, because they the Bee Gees went through a little lull, and he was like, you know, I've got a message to you to love somebody. Like, where did that talent go? Like, it's still there somewhere. And but that's what confidence is. It's like that confidence has just got to be mined somehow. And they're trying all they can. They're trying to get it. And it's like, yeah, like you said, it's probably really, really frustrating for them. Like, it's just like, man, man, we're just trying to get you some slants, get you some flats, like get the ball out of your hands. Like, let's go. But he can even right now, he's not seeing things. He's not anticipating things. Zero to 10 yards over the middle of the field. What was the joke I made? He's Russell Wilson without the athleticism. Yeah. That's the limitations that are cropping up because now he's just not even getting those gimmies, which they need them. They need them if they're going to try and do this type of offense. It's, it feels like the Rams last year where when the it easy does. buttons are not working and you don't have those anymore yep. and you just start squeezing tighter and tighter and mm-hmm. tighter. And that's what it feels like. It feels like the Stefanski and Baker and everybody just has a death grip on this thing right now. And I think that you can feel that when yeah. you watch them. and a tough place to be as an offense it's a really really tough place to be those days are getting shorter in the midwest you know it's getting cold (laughs) it's like that it's 4 30 it is dark as hell (laughs) (laughs) it is pitch black outside right now oh winners is a lot better when you're winning so when you're 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 getting your teeth kicked in or they they won these games that's what's so funny but it's like hey but if you're not this offense as offense coach and you're just like man I'm trying to get to 20 points we just got you know i gotta get in there first and second down get some dropbacks that work for him it's like it makes a long, long days and makes Sunday almost a relief because you finally get to that game. <laughs> Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to an offense that's playing pretty well. And, you know, obviously it's been a strange kind of month for them just because Kyler missed three games. But I wanted to talk about how this Cardinals offense has been different than the versions that we might have been a little bit underwhelmed by in the past. So when you've been watching Arizona's offense, they have a huge game on tap here against the Rams. And I feel like yeah, this is prove it time, right? This, yeah. is, this is that time of year where I've done a lot of – had a lot of conversations about it on the radio and stuff this week. Like, why don't we believe in the Cardinals? What will make us believe in the Cardinals? And I, this is the time last year where they fell off, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that that just it was precipitous down the stretch last season. So we get we're at this point where it's like, all right, I want to see it now. I want to see if they can sustain this. And if you look at all the numbers, I mean, this is the second they're second in passing DVOA. They're they've been efficient on offense in so many different ways. They've really jumped out and been like, we're here. Like believe in us. And I just think that we want to know why it's different than the versions that we've seen over the last couple of years. So tell me why it's different. Uh, the usual answer is better players. <laughs> uh, but last week I had a, I, I kind of came back on my Joe Lombardi criticisms, which made like, thank God I did after that performance on Sunday. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I do want to give Cliff some credit. Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals offensive offense, some credit is they understand their personnel. Yes, and they do. After watching some, shitty offenses and, and you know for this show and just period i appreciate it a lot more like it's like hey they they don't run a ton of concepts they don't uh, honestly it's like seven concepts maybe i counted a lot of mesh <laughs> a lot of mesh 15 different versions of mesh though but that's but they, okay but that's okay because they formation the shit out of it yes they, they put every guy but they all the guys make sense they don't have Ertz running a go ball they have him running digs and stuff that he can find the soft spot they have the one. This is the best way how they use personnel is Rondell Moore, their second round pick, who's a dynamic player. They have him as the chip guy. Robert asked Robert Quinn how that went for him. He he, that's a little pocket Hercules that got in there. But Rondell Moore as a chip and underneath guy. And why? Uh, why? Uh, okay, when you usually chip, it's a running back and tight end usually that you have. And when you do it, it's really you chip and they run a little flat. They run a little hook route four or five yards and then okay usually it's a third and long you're doing it and they get the four to five yards and it's like okay we're punting okay let's get off the field but when it's Rondell Moore chipping who is I mean he's dynamite with the ball in his hands he really is he's doing it he's turning those into first downs uh Colt McCoy spammed it to him Colt McCoy was not pushing the ball against the Seahawks he was just like ah I'm gonna find Rondell underneath because all of a sudden Rondell was taking that third and ten and getting a first down out of it it's that those little tweaks of getting the good players in good spots and running just decent scheme. Like it's not the craziest thing in the world. The formations are pretty nuts. Like they condense, give me an example. Uh, they okay. It was a first third down, maybe second third down against the Bears. There, so they are in a four by one formation. But the four the four man side, none of those guys are like at the numbers or wider. Everybody's condensed, mm-hmm. and and so that's unusual. Four by one's already unusual, but then also where they put the guys. No, it wasn't even four by one. It was three by two empty. It was empty though, because they had James Conner and a tight end on the left hand side. Okay, then they had the three man side with DeAndre Hopkins, Ertz, 
and I want to say Kirk. Uh, it might have been. It might. It might have been AJ Green, but I think it was Kirk. So it was three by two empty. No one was outside. The really the numbers. Everybody was condensed in this formation. So they run mesh, and they have and meshes two crossers with an inbreaker behind it, and you can you can tag on the outside routes. How they did it was okay. We're gonna have DeAndre Hopkins run a spray go. We're gonna run the crosser with Ertz. Yeah, it was Kirk. Crosser with Ertz and Kirk, and Kirk is like hiding behind Ertz to run his dig route. Yeah. It's like I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the coaching point that I, I've heard is called ride the jet stream or get behind the jet stream. And you're just right, you know, like a, a a cyclist in the Tour de France, you know, just you're getting in there. But really that messes up defenses because they're like, okay, when you're breaking, like they don't know how to bounce off, they don't know how to pass it off. So it's just mesh, just mesh. Everyone knows mesh is. They just add these little tweaks to it to make it just, and we're getting the guys in the right spots. It's not Christian Kirk running the go ball. It's DeAndre Hopkins running a go ball. And that's when he dunked on a guy for the touchdown. And it's like, okay, that's oh pretty. Oh, I know. Oh, and then you remember, oh yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is really freaking good. <laughs> and, and okay. So now you have Christian Kirk sitting over the ball. Christian Kirk has been great from the slot this year. You got Ertz running the crosser. You got James Conner running the other crosser. James Conner going underneath. You're fine with that on like a fourth and two. Because he's he'll probably he's got great hands and also he really does. Oh yeah, it, I try to tell people when he, I was with James for one year at Pitt, he was catch. I had to throw him swing balls and he was just catching. He made me look really good. I was just like, <laughs> man, this guy. I was a GA. I was like, man, this kick can catch. We were going to convert him to DN. If you ever watch Pitt against Bowling Green, no one ever watches. I tweeted it once. It's James Conner and Aaron Donald on third third downs, which is hilarious. Like because we we he was right, he ran for two hundred yards and he was our DPR designated pass rusher on third downs. Yes, yeah, so James Conner is a football player, so he's running those he's running those uh, on the crosser because he'll probably bounce off a tackle. Like you know he's going to catch the first down and then the guy's going to bounce off of him. He scored the touchdown too against the against the Bears, making the one handed catch or getting and getting north after that. So. He under, they understand their personnel, and I think that's my best way I can compliment it. I mean, really having good players really helps that as well. I feel like they've done such a better job this year of having every blade of grass available to them. Yeah. The way that they've been able to attack the intermediate area of the field, and that exact example that you used, that Kirk play on mesh where they just it's late in the down, Kyler has to escape a little bit, and he finds him. And then just their, the way that Kyler can attack intermediate outside the numbers – the throw he hit to Hopkins in that Bears game where Hopkins comes all the way from left to right and then they have the two big benders coming right to left. That is – that's a throw in that ball placement. It's not super crazy, but just how easy he makes that look and how easy yeah. he's made throws like that look all year, that is a huge part of this. Kyler Murray is better <laughs> than he has been over the last couple seasons. Yes. He's a better quarterback. He yeah. was an incredibly exciting player last season. Yes. But right now, he's playing quarterback at an incredibly high level. Yes. His ball placement, but also the upstairs part of this and how few things you can do to put him in a vice. Yes. The, the Cardinals this season, with Kyler Murray at quarterback, have averaged .55 EPA per drop back against the Blitz. That <laughs> is the highest mark in the league by a lot. It is two and a half times higher than the average quarterback in the NFL. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Ask the Rams how that went the first time they played. When you were playing against a quarterback, that that's you're out of answers because that's what yeah. teams are doing against Lamar this year. It's blitzing yeah. the hell out of them, and it's working. Yeah. Blitzes have crushed the Ravens this year. Not only do you have to worry about Kyler escaping when you bring extra bodies at him, you have to worry about him slicing and dicing you. 
And all of the different ways that they're using that personnel, all of that formational diversity that they have, it works. Like they are getting to things in ways that are interesting and difficult to deal with. It's really fun to watch. The one thing I will say that is a little bit concerning to me when we get into these games against really good defenses and we worry about, okay, what's your pivot? Mm-hmm. They've they have led the, they lead the league in runs into light boxes this season. 174 of them makes sense. Makes right? ton of sense. Yeah, you're gonna re- line up with three or four receivers on 96 percent of your plays or whatever. They do use two tight end sets more. Yep. Even with now that they have Ertz, they've that's been another little innovation, right? It's been a yes. couple. It's been a while since they started implementing that stuff, but they do have some diversity in their personnel. But they still run a ton of wide open sets. They are 23rd in total EPA created on those runs despite leading the league comfortably on those plays they are not gashing people in those light boxes the way you'd think because when you're playing like that it's man on man hat on hat what does your offensive line look like that's why in those situations the eagles kill people because that's not bells and whistles we're creating extra gaps whatever that's our five guys are better than the five guys in front of us the cardinals don't have that Without Pew has been hurt, so now you have you know Jack. Say Jack Harlow. That's not his name. Jack Harlow is somebody else. That Jack Harlow's a rapper. Yeah. <laughs> it's Sean Harlow. Uh, they have Sean Harlow at, at guard right now. I called him Jack Harlow. I don't know where Marissa is going to cut this. You can keep the Jack Harlow thing in there, Marissa. I know that Jack Harlow doesn't play for the Cardinals. I'm proud that I know Jack Harlow is a person, as yeah. a 34 year old dude who is extremely washed. I, I'm proud that I know that Jack Harlow is a thing. Both of us. So and with Pew out and, and their offensive line in general is not full of a lot of maulers. I think what Rodney Hudson yeah. has given them as a stabilizing factor is important. Yes. But I do think that the different ways they can get some of this stuff, even Jander Hopkins lining up on the right side to run that go ball, he still usually plays on the left side of the formation. Like that mostly yep. happens. But it does feel like they have more wrinkles than they used to. And I do just yep. think that Kyler, the mental aspect of Kyler's game has taken such a huge step. And that's, I don't think that's like insulting to say. When you no. listen to Cliff talk about him, I was there a couple weeks ago, and it's so funny listening to Cliff talk about Russell. And they were playing the Seahawks. And I would love to be a fly on the wall for the conversations that Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyle Murray have with each other. But he was saying, he's like, I, Kingsbury was talking about how he points to Russell as a guy who he's got everything. He's got the performance coach and the mental performance coach and the personal trainer and all this other stuff. It's like a full-time job. And like the commitment to being a great quarterback is all Russell Wilson cares about. And it just feels like Kyler has sharpened the edges of all of his little all of those little things, all of the subtle aspects of who you want him to be. I think he's gone beyond just being one of the most exciting players in the league to yep. being somebody that can burn you down. And yep. that's what it feels like right now. He still is unbelievably exciting. He is an exhilarating yeah. player, but it's the everything else. It's the, if you give me an inch right now as a passer to any point on the field, I'm going to make you pay for it. And that makes them really scary because they do have really good players. Oh my God. But I mean, you put it best when you were first talking about Kyle right here is he's playing quarterback. Well, yes. And that's the, that's the highest compliment you can give a quarterback it's not. It's no longer the, oh, he's an athlete and he, he's got a good arm. It's like, no, he's reading the ball. Every throw where he goes with the ball makes sense. Like he doesn't – he scrambles sometimes because defenses are pushing because they're so terrified of these receivers. It's not because he's just, I'm one and done with my read. You see him progressing on stuff, and it's like he's playing quarterback really well. And that's exciting because he is – like you said, it's an exciting player, but 
when you're now taking the what the defense is giving you, but just you know creating plays off of that, like not you're taking what the defense give you. I don't mean that as like oh the defense is dictating anything. It's like hey, it's this coverage. I'm gonna hit this route. There's no real limitations that I thought with his game. He's hitting the inter- intermediate throws more consistently. It's like all that stuff's just coming together really nicely. And yeah, it's it's really, really fun watching him because I always just thought, oh, he might have some limitations as a as progressing and stuff like that. But no, he's playing quarterback really well. And then all of a sudden you can just punish you doing all the Kyler Murray stuff too. All right. Last thing I want to dig into here. The Chiefs defense has turned this thing around yeah. in a big, big way. Just the numbers real quick. Weeks one through seven, 32nd in EPA per play. Dead last. Weeks eight through 13, third. Whew. Only the Patriots and the Dolphins have been better on okay. defense over the last six weeks, five games for the Chief, than the Chiefs have been. How how the hell has this happened? But players are playing better and coaches are coaching better. Thank you guys for listening. We'll uh, be we'll back on Sunday night. We really appreciate the time. Thank you. No, but. Melvin Ingram might be the best midseason acquisition since Rasheed Huge. Wallace. Huge. You know why? Because it shifts everything back else back into place. Yes. That's exactly the same point I was going to make is that now Chris Jones went from a B-plus edge to an A interior guy. Melvin Ingram's on the outside holding the, holding the fort. Uh, Willie Gay is playing super, super well. Like having these linebackers at the beginning of the year, these linebackers couldn't even figure out where to go. Like they were – I remember the Chargers game early in the year. They ran a pressure – Chargers spread it out to the linebackers, just looked at each other and they snapped the ball and it was a touchdown to Eckler. And it was just like, they couldn't even know. And now they're making calls and running in there. You watch Willie Gay play. He's not always perfect, but he's an athlete that you can see the light bulb went on. Yeah. I don't know what happened. It's that's just one example of what's going on right now. And the only way you can really, I think, get after this defense right now and is getting in the base and pound the rock against them. And it's just not a, not a lot of teams can do that. Uh, the Den- Broncos can a little bit, and you can see like what the limitations of that is. Because if you're not going to be able to wad up in this protection stuff, the corners are playing well. And honestly, okay, they might not be these all stars, these Pro Bowl caliber guys. You know, you never you never know. But <laughs> they know that they can play aggressive. They can play. Hey, we're in man coverage. We can press the shit out of you. Hey, Cortland Sutton, we're not scared of you. Just whack. I mean, just physical with them because they know that the quarterback has to get rid of the ball. They know that yeah. he's getting heated up. And so that's intelligence. That's in, it's, it's brawn, you know, like, you know, it, but it's brains too. what they're doing. It all ties in together. And it's like, oh, yeah, Spags is a hell of a coach. And it's like, oh, yeah, he can bring the, the he can bring the heat too. those pressures are like they are some. I mean, they were putting Munchak in, in the Broncos line and protection schemes. They had them in the walls of Jericho. Like it was like, oh, it was. And that's saying something. That's a that's a sound unit. So. They're playing well since playing week faster. eight over the last six weeks. Yeah. People are offenses are averaging 4.3 yards per attempt against the Chiefs when they bring pressure. Seems like. And it. you can see it. And that if that yeah. was only, if that was it, right? Yeah. If it was just, man, our pressure that's what you is really think. working. Yep. That that's that's one thing. They have played 78 snaps of cover two over the past six weeks. It's 25 more than anyone than any other defense in the NFL. And they're getting to it in a ton of funky ways. Yes. So I think that's the thing. Their pressure, they're getting more pressure on the quarterback when they bring four, first of all. I mean, just consistently they're doing that because Ingram has kind of allowed their guys to settle back into place. When they're blitzing, it's well-timed, it's well-designed, and it's getting there. And when they're playing coverage, 
it's in funky different ways. Yes. When you're trying to do that disguise stuff and guys aren't comfortable, it can look real, real bad. It can look disgusting. It can look like the Chiefs in the first six weeks. (laughs) There you go. And, you know, a lot of these guys have been around, you know, but Mike Hughes wasn't. You know, they had a couple other moving pieces in the secondary. Now you have that group is settled in. That group is defined. And all of the stuff that they're doing, I mean, just a ton of different types of stuff. They'll drop Matthew down and play cover one where he's the robber. They'll Mm -hmm. drop him down and play cover two where he's sitting in the middle of the field. They had an invert cover two play that when we discussed it earlier in the show, that Willie Gay dropped pick was inverted cover two. And the reason that it worked is because Bridgewater just assumed he'd be in the flat because of the way that the play worked. He's just sitting right there because the safety dropped into the flat. Yeah, they there was another I I don't want it might have been another inverted cover two look. There was another dropped pick. Sneed dropped one on the deep ball to Corwin Sutton down the middle of the field because Teddy just assumed it was single high based on they were lining up. You can spin the wheel as a quarterback right now. And that's what this defense is. Offensive coach, it's called a Rolodex defense. That's what Spags is. That's what he is considered by offensive play callers. Even if the situation doesn't necessarily dictate a certain coverage, he just goes through the Rolodex. He'll just pick one out. And it's really hard to predict. And -hmm. when you're disguising it well and your guys feel comfortable about how to kind of gloss over the vulnerabilities in a way they couldn't early in the season, the stuff that could look really bad when it's not working starts to look really good. It starts to look like Willie Gay getting the ball thrown to him because the quarterback has no idea what's going on. And that's what this looks like right now. It really does feel like the back end has gotten comfortable with all the funky stuff that they're doing. And now it's putting quarterbacks in a bind. Yes. And it's exhausting to go against. Yeah. Offensive coaches and as a quarterback, because it's it's. All right, you played the Seahawks defense in the 2010s. Okay, they're cover three and they're one. Okay, and they're man, a couple pressures. And it's like, okay, I know what I'm getting. Now we just have to out-execute them. Now it's as a quarterback, it's like, hey, we can run the same sound concepts. If I'm the uh, Cardinals, I can run mesh. I can run our whatever it is. But now I have to find where that hole is. I have to go one to two to three to four. I have to trust that the protection is sound. So because they have guys, even as soon as you hold on to it now. Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram and Frank Crocker coming. Ingram, they're winning. One, someone's winning. And that's, oh, it's just, it's tough. And then, but also their guys, like their corners, like I said before, is they can play aggressive. And what we've talked about with defense, it's confidence, right? It was that game against the Cowboys and they came out, you know, ah, like they knew what, they knew what you're about to do. Offenses are going to have their tells, their personnel tells. I talked about the Ravens have Patrick Ricard at, at running back. That's a tell. Everybody has tells. But if you have this multiple, type of defense okay they're in this they're in dime they're in nickel all right what are they running like there's still questions you have to ask you're you're there's not there's another x a y a z variable that you have to answer that you have to solve for as opposed to just solving for x and algebra this is this is how you know this conversation is going too long and i'm bringing algebra <laughs> into this but if you if you're figuring out a different variable and if you have more to solve and you have to solve it in three seconds or two and a half or less that's hard and only the best of the best can do it so it's just going to punish teams that can't I'll execute them, really. All right. That's all we got. I, I did not expect to have this sort of conversation about the Chiefs That's defense great. down the back down the stretch here, man. I mean, it is it's crazy how fast defense can turn around. I mean, it is because it's one thing. It's one little tiny screw out of place and the whole thing starts to crumble. But you tighten that thing up and yeah. everything can look different. And that's how it feels with them right now. 
All right. Speaking yes. of somebody that needs to tighten things up, let's get to Shield in this week's pick segment. <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar and are new watchers on YouTube and do not listen to the podcast, I don't know which sort of people those would be. We do this every single Friday. Shield joins us. Nate is doing the rest of the show with me, but we like to take a little bit of time to step back, give you guys some picks that we definitely do not feel good about. Shield, you can't be feeling pretty good right now because your lead that you had maintained throughout the season in the little head-to-head battle that you were doing with Nate has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and is now one point as we head into week 14 here. Oh my gosh, is it only one? I didn't realize one that point. until you just told 24 me. and yep. a half to 23 and a half. I felt good about last week. You know, I got my yep. lock. I, I went two and one, but I ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, I'm like Sean McDermott <laughs> after that Monday night game. You know, we had opportunities. Don't give Nate uh, too much credit. I was going to, don't give me too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but Nate, Nate went, uh, went three and oh, got his lock, uh, lock correct. And so as usual, I'm very mentally fragile. You know, Marissa asked for my picks before this segment. I couldn't give them to her because I'm looking at all of them here <laughs> on my screen. I don't know what I'm going to go with, but it will be uh, it will be a fun finish here with, what do we have, four more weeks? Five more weeks left? What week is this? Oh, I have no 14. idea. I have no five idea how many weeks, weeks are in the 2021 NFL five more season. Weeks left. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm at the We're point the where I third. even... I look at Nate's Twitter on, uh, you know, before the show and I'm like, oh, you know, he, he's tweeting about Jerry Judy. Is he going to be, you know, is he going with the uh, lion? Why is he watching Broncos film right now? So I'm in, I'm in, I'm trying to take something, even his board game tweets. I'm trying to take something from him. Can I get any inside information uh, to give myself an advantage? But I don't know that that's going to work. Where was that game produced at? Oh, it was produced <laughs> in Colorado. So does he like the Broncos this week? Yeah, exactly. All I you love should that. know is the amount of time he's spending on those board games is time that he is not spending thinking about football, <laughs> which could be good or bad for you. If he's yeah. spending more time and talking himself in circles, maybe that's actually a good thing for you. Nate, yeah. you went 3-0 last week. You yeah. hit your lock with the Bucks at minus 10.5. You had the Chiefs at minus 9.5 against the Broncos. That one probably made you sweat a little bit more than you would have liked. It's a- it and it's a tight it, game, even though if it was never in doubt, it was still a lot closer than you might like. And then the Rams blow out the Jags. So you have fun. slowly started to gain some ground here. And you, because of that, you're going to kick us off. You get to give us your pick, your first one for week 14. Lay it on me, buddy. Chip away, chip away. Yeah, and actually the, the rule change for the lukewarm lock, I actually was like, okay, of course we do it where the losing team points, we're going to triple and donate to charity. And of course, mine was the Bucks, and that was like a barn burner in the first half. And I was like, "Oh, so I'm, I'm going to be donating about 120 bucks. Can't wait, you know? Like, yeah, but it's for a good, good for cause. Charity. That's a good cause. It. It's a good which, cause. Which exactly, it works out. Scrooge. Yes. Which I which I meant to mention. I I made my donation this morning to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund because I picked awesome. the uh, Steelers against the Bengals. You know, I, I felt like I should be giving it to the Bengals. I mean, they did the work, the Steelers. I why, totally agree. Why, am I, why am I donating yeah. to them? Uh, so yeah. Joe, Joe Burrow, uh, Hunger Relief Fund. Look, awesome. That's it. That is my cause, my cleat. So um, I'm that's sure there great. will be many more donations in the weeks ahead. Uh, so <laughs> players, if you're listening, go ahead and tell me what your charity is, and I'm sure I'll be donating to you uh, soon. For those of you who don't know, every week we have one game that you could designate your lukewarm lock of the week. It's three points instead of one. If you get it wrong... You get negative one point, and you have to endure a punishment early in the season. There were some embarrassing things that happened that included costumes, various Dan Campbell coffee orders. But since it is the season of giving, now the punishments are restricted 
to a charitable give to some t- organization associated with the team that you lost to, the team that made you lose. So yes. it's a convoluted way of saying we're trying to do good things here as we get toward yes. the Christmas holiday and the end of the year. All right, <laughs> Nate, lay it on me, buddy. What's your first one? Well, I'll just I'll just give us what's I'll, I'll get start us hot with a lukewarm lock right oh, off the baby. bat. I'm gonna go with the Saints minus five and a half at the Jets, and so I'm gonna be looking in and some New York charities this so for the next week just to make sure. Uh, but I I think this game I watching that Cowboys Saints game and really even the Saints uh, Bills game before that. I know it's a Thanksgiving short week. This Saints defense is rugged. <laughs> like they are like they are full of I said on Twitter they're full of ass kickers I mean they really are and they're like that's why they can do what they do up front and being four down and that brings you know just a couple pressure stuff on third down that's actually one of the reasons I mean this Jets team is not good this is not their year 2021 I my uh my dark horse pick for coach of the year Robert Sala is uh uh, so it's a, <laughs> this season with the jets, it's just, this is not their year. They're, they're just trying to get through the season. I us just, Hey, let's just make, like get some confidence with Zach Wilson right now. It's not a great defense to build confidence against. And so I think this saints defense is just going to take it to them. Kamara's coming back for the saints offense. I know they've been banged up all over. They have no receivers, but this jets defense hasn't been great. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter who they go against. It's, it's been Swiss cheese. A lot of this, a lot of this season, uh, again, so just really not their season. I think they're going to just try and get through the holiday season with, uh, staying healthy and maybe just, you know, feel good about themselves. Maybe try and throw some gadget plays and stuff. And I think the saints will blow that up. I'm going to go with the saints minus five and a half. And that's my lukewarm lock. So I'll be looking at New York charities this week. <laughs> and, yeah, I actually had this one uh, written down, but uh, so so basically, I have two that I'm settled on. You know, to okay. go through my process here, which everyone must be interested in. I have two written down that I'm going with, and then my final pick. I have it narrowed down to five games, and this was one that I had. But since you're five. going with it. Yeah, listen, I'm a disaster. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but but since you made it your lukewarm locket, like there's not a lot of uh, upside there for me. Yeah. So I'm going to stay away uh, from that one. I was with you. This would just be a pick against the Jets. It's like Sean That's... Payton against the worst defense in the NFL. You know, that is a nice matchup. Now, uh, I had some, jo- you know, I, some jokes I w- when I was wondering, do I really want to make that my pick? Like anytime you can go with Taysom Hill with mallet finger in the rain, gotta you know, given five and a half, you got to do it. Uh, well, that's for a my that's question lost, here. Lost what, five in a row? Six in a row? Are so you I was worried? a little nervous. The points here, Nate, I mean, you, are you worried about the Saints offense being able to score five and a half points? I understand their defense is pretty good right now, but that's why I think it'd be hard to bet on the Saints just because even if getting they're getting Kamara back, their offense has been so banged up and so yeah. underwhelming lately. And it's just I just don't think the Jets defense can take advantage of that. Like, you know, it's like if it was it's a fair. little more feisty, yeah. It and that's that's honestly how Shield put it. It's like more on betting against the Jets and more putting betting on the competency of the Saints staff and all that. And you know, Saints still have stuff to play for. Like it's like even like they are we don't consider them a contender or anything like that. They're still you know in the playoff hunt and and so they're going to still be feisty and still trying to do some stuff. So that's really what I'm betting on. And also the even if I lose this bet, the probably the Big Ben rule will be in effect where you know we have to do a 20, 20 point minimum because it might be a thirteen ten brouhaha. Uh, uh, but when it's all said and done in uh, in New York or right, Meadowlands. <laughs> Among the 25 games that you're picking yeah. from here, what'd you land yeah. on for your first one? All right. Well, you know what? I'll just go ahead and give my my lukewarm lock yeah. of the week. Uh, I'm going to Sunday night. 
the Green Bay Packers. This is usually, you know, Nate's oh, move. God. Nate likes the big favorites. I'm going to go with the big favorite here. Packers minus 12 and a half. It's a big number. Makes me a little bit nervous, but going up against the Chicago Bears. Uh, so many fun storylines in this one. Aaron Rodgers, the last, you know, I thought Aaron Rodgers the last two weeks before their bye, like I thought that the, that's the best he's looked all season. Now you get national TV. You want to, you know, we know Aaron Rodgers pays attention. You want to make a little MVP case. This is a great time to go ahead and do that. You're at Lambeau. You're in great position uh, in the NFC Packers at home under Matt LaFleur, 15 and six uh, against the spread. And so, like, all the Matt LaFleur and Rodgers numbers are crazy. I feel like we don't talk about uh, yeah. just, I mean, they're, like, winning. It's crazy how they just keep doing it week after week after week. And so I think that's a game where even if it's, you know, a seven-point game in the fourth quarter, maybe Rodgers can throw one more touchdown and get me the cover there. The other interesting storyline here is, like, America needs this to be a blowout with the, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but succession finale Sunday night. I know you guys have to do the show. I don't know if you watch it after you do the show or not, but, like, for me, I got to avoid those spoilers. I don't have to write for Monday. I write for Tuesday. So I need to be able to, like, you know, check out of this game a little bit, make it a blowout. I don't want something coming across my Twitter timeline telling me what happened in the finale. And then all of a sudden uh, succession is ruined for me. So if Aaron Rodgers, if you can come through here, I don't have an MVP vote. You know, I do have a, a little bit of a platform. Uh, your odds will go, uh, go up uh, quite a bit. If you can uh, allow me to watch succession Sunday night and, and just kind of blow the bears out here. It depends on how tired I am and what kind of mood I'm in, because there are some moments where I'll watch it at like 1am, which can get weird. I mean, that's a show where you're watching it a little bit half asleep at one in the morning. Yep. It can get really strange. Especially with the music. Yes. Just, there's yeah, just a lot happening jarring. there. I and mean, yeah. last week, I mean, it's there was a lot of pretty intense yeah. family dynamics at one in the morning going on. So speaking of family dynamics, the Bears are playing in primetime in this game. Watching the Bears this season in primetime, do you guys have a family member that you worry about at like gatherings? Or when you bring them in public, you get a little bit concerned about what they're yeah. going to do. And like, don't embarrass me. Yeah. That's how I feel about the Bears right now. <laughs> they are the, the member of my sheep. family that when they're in any sort of visible place, I'm like, don't you fucking embarrass me right now. All I have to do is be cool for like two hours, okay? This is not going to be hard. And that's where I am with this team right now. I just oh, don't want man. them to embarrass me in front of the nation. Yeah. Keep your shit together. I need together. them to. Yeah, I need them to to get those three points. So <laughs> Just gritted teeth the whole time. Hey, Justin Fields is playing. That'll be fun. That's, that's all. Yeah. At least that's Can't happening. I mean, Can't that's wait for I those narratives. Yeah, can't wait for everything that comes out of that. Hey, Jair Alexander's coming back, I believe, I think this week, or maybe it's that I'm less week, interested in. I don't, as a fun of yeah. football level, I'm interested in that. Yes. All right. Yes. yes. Nate, what's your second one here, buddy? Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I like Shields' angle there, talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers being a uh, Sunday Night Football. You know, Pat McAfee's going to get a cut of that money. So I'm sure, he, <laughs> I'm sure he's excited for the Sunday Night game. But I'm going to go with a different divisional tilt. This is the exact same spread as last week. Uh, it's a different. AFC West game, uh, opponent they're going against, but I'm going to go Chiefs minus nine and a half hosting the Raiders. I don't think this Raiders team is really, they're trying to get through the season. We're gonna, I'm going to use this line a lot. I was at that game in Washington. They just have no dynamic ability. I know Darren Waller was out, but it's not really, this Chiefs defense is playing well. We're going to talk about it, Robert. We talked about it. It's like they, they are playing very well right now. They're playing sound football. The one thing that you can really get them out or really get after this Chiefs defense right now is getting in the heavy personnel and running the ball. The Raiders like to be in heavy personnel, but they can't run the ball out of it. Like they, it's a, it's a 
it's a weird jarring kind of thing they passed they got the ball nowhere to go it. at this point they got there, nowhere there, to go. there are no buttons left to press exactly and this raiders defense is not great uh, uh they got a couple of nice pass rushers on the outside but other than that they are just it's very holy <laughs> h you know H-O-L-E-Y, I believe is a better way to put it. <laughs> a very a lot of holes in that defense. Uh, and, you know, I, I think this Chiefs offense has been frustrating, uh, but this is not the defense that's really going to take it to them. Maybe Gus Bradley is not going to run the single high stuff, but that's, you know, now you're putting guys in positions they're not comfortable with that they want to run too high. So and I it's think it's really the, the Chiefs- last time we saw this Chief and, uh, Chiefs offense be really explosive. Yes. Was the last yeah. time they played the Raiders. So when you think exactly. about the way their defense is playing and the fact that, the Raiders are the best matchup for them. It's like the yep. one defense structurally that is just not set up to take advantage of the way that the Chiefs are playing right now. It's a really bad situation. I mean, they beat it by it 27 is. points in the middle of November, and the Raiders were healthier and playing better at that point. Correct. And had a lot more heart and everything. It's just been a long season for them. I mean, I understand that's the human element of playing 18 weeks or 17 games, 18 weeks. It's long. And if things aren't going right, they really can, you know, domino effect in a negative way. So I'm taking on a team on the upswing against a team on the downswing and Chiefs minus nine and a half. And it's at home, which I, I really do think matters because that's a tough, tough statement to play. Yeah, that, that one makes total sense to me. Uh, I yeah. feel like this, again, teams just headed in different directions. And I think that this is yeah. a good moment to take advantage of that. Shield, what you got for me, buddy? What's your that was on? another one of my maybes, Nate. So I, well, I, all of I, them I, were I was, on your maybe list. Easy. I'm not sure you need to let us know that. <laughs> <Just anymore. laughs> well, I guess it could have been. I could have been on the Raiders, but no, I, yeah. I, I like the uh, I like the Chiefs there. Like you guys said, I, I like to just look at. Um, I separate every game and say like you know, which are like 75th percentile offensive performances, just kind of defining those as great. That's the only one the Chiefs have had in the last eight weeks. Wow. Uh, so so that offense wow. just has not been the same. But again, it was against the Raiders. And so it's, you know, that is not a scheme that's really uh, uh, changing on a week-to-week basis. So I do like the, the Chiefs there, but I'm not going to go with that as my pick. Wow. The other one I had written down here, this is sort of like your Saints-Jets one. I'm looking for a team that I don't believe in at all and going against them. And it's one you went against last week, and that's the Jaguars. Uh, just a, a complete disaster right now. Titans are... <laughs> Titans are minus nine uh, at home against Jacksonville. Again, the Jaguars are just a complete mess. I mean, no signs of improvement that I see from that team throughout the season. Uh, The Titans coming off the bye. I know they the Titans haven't been great. There's no doubt about it. They've been stung by injuries. They're still eight and four. They have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. So there's this like weird scenario where if the Titans just take care of business against some of these terrible teams, like, and then you get healthy, you know, in whatever week 18 or the first round of the playoffs, or who knows, maybe you luck into a bye and all of a sudden you're hosting a game in the divisional round and you have AJ Brown and Derrick Henry and Julio Jones. So it's like, I, I feel like the Titans have sort of been a forgotten team and I know they haven't been as good as their record indicates. And again, they're not a great team right now, but they're kind of like lurking, uh, lurking sort of in the background in the AFC. And so um, Mike Vrabel, you know, I feel like this is a coaching mismatch uh, with the way he's able <laughs> to find edges on a weekly basis and the way that that Jaguars team has played just getting blown out week in and week out. And so uh, I'm a little bit nervous about it. It's a big number, you know, minus nine for a team that lost to the Texans a couple weeks ago. But I think as we've said time and time again, like it feels good to be on the side against the Jaguars uh, this year. And so maybe this is just to make myself feel good. You know, if they have a a special teams turnover or something and it's a fluky loss, I can live with that. But uh, I feel good about going against the Jaguars here. 
that seems like a really big number for a team whose number one receiver is a Hollister whose first name I can't remember. Well, Julio, I think, did practice I on did. Wednesday. So I'm counting on him at least, you know, I don't know if he's going to play Getting 24 uh, targets. snaps or what, but yeah, just feed that man, you know? Yeah, get, get Julio the ball here, please. Do we know what that Hollister's first name is? No, but I saw him on the fantasy waiver wire, and I was like, "Who is that again?" I, I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah Jacob, and it's not Jacob. That's his That's brother, his I think. Yeah, I think his brother is Jacob Hollister, and he's the receiver, and there Jacob's the tight end. And then Westbrook Aquino, whose first name I still can't remember because I'm yeah. still in my mind. His name is Westbrook Aquino, which is not right. And I my know mind went to right. Russell, which again, that is incorrect. So yeah, it is not <laughs> Russell Westbrook Aquino, although that would be pretty fun if it was. Westbrook Aquino is just a great name. I think that's why I keep attaching myself to it. If he was just named Westbrook, I know that's not uh, how it works. But that's just Westbrook Aquino. He sounds like a five-star recruit to, yes. like, to yes. Kentucky. Like you know, it's like okay, oh Westbrook Aquino, yeah, OJ Mayo, yeah, those are yeah, those are some <laughs> top-tier uh, basketball recruits. I would I would put him on the uh, red zone all-stars. Like whenever they flash to a game, and you're like, every week I'm sitting here and they're flashing to Westbrook Aquino making a, making a big play, and then you're looking up his numbers and you're like, oh, he wasn't that productive, but I don't know. Every time Scott Hansen's yelling his name every week, so you, there must be something good happening there. You've the Kendrick seen Bourne every Westbrook Aquino catch this year. You've seen. Yeah. Every single yeah, one, every not single on one. purpose, but you've seen it. All right, Nate, what's your third one, buddy? <laughs> the last one is again another team getting healthier. They, uh, it's weird, weird team right now, and I, we're very high on them, anyways. But I'm going to go to Cowboys minus four and a half at Washington. I think some of that that you know that little fairy dust of the Imagine Washington this offense line six weeks ago, right? That's exactly what I'm trying to get back to. At the beginning of the year, like Sheila and I have talked about when we do this segment, we're like, hey, let's go back to like our gut instinct. You know, it's like, that's kind of like, hey, what yeah. we originally thought. It's never led Cowboys you straight before. It never, ever. It's working out yeah, great. Let me you tell you. You see my betting in the first half of the season? Yeah, really worked out great. Uh, but honestly, this Cowboys team is the like struggles of the offense. I guess it would be a way to put it is not struggles. It's just drops. Like, honestly, it's just a guy tripping when he's pulling. It's a guy dropping a third and three throw. It's like just fluky stuff like happening. It keeps happening a little bit, but it's like, man, they're still doing the good stuff. I, I watched that Saints game expecting to be more disappointed. And I'm just like, God, I love Dak. And I just, every time I watch it, that's why I just watch that offense. I'm like, this is so much fun. Like just seeing CeeDee Lamb running benders and overs. And now Amari Cooper's back to, it sounds like hundred percent. They said, oh yeah, he's full go, baby. He's going to get, you know, full. And having that really helps and like but the experience that these other receivers have gotten has helped them out in a way too but now they don't need those targets they're like you're that instead of cedric wilson getting a third or, or noah brown getting a third down target it's amari cooper and gallup it's the tight ends you know it's like oh my god yeah here comes the weapons pollard got banged up he has his foot on the touchdown got hurt but Zeke is still playing well. He's a little hurt too, but that's the thing. They can pivot however they want to pivot, depending on what the defense does. This Do Washington you feel defense. like Zeke is too hurt to be effective as a runner? Even with all the other quiet things he gives to them, do you think that the amount of work he's getting in his current physical state is a detriment to their offense? They Outside runs, yes. I would say they have to take away. You're not running outside zone with Zeke. Uh, I'll put it that way. But you, anything in between tackles, I'm fine because he'll get those four or five, six gritty yards, and I'm fine with that. And that's what this offense kind of is. It's kind of like it's kind of like how Fournette is with the Bucks offense. They, he's played better, but it's, it's like comparison. you're you're he's limited in some ways, but he's going to get exactly he's going to hit those singles and doubles that you need when you run the ball with him. And I think that's what they need right now. They it's God, man, it's just this offense is so much fun to watch at times because it's just so well executed. But now it's like, oh, these other guys are coming back. And so it's going to get that little bump. I'm going to be honest. The Washington defense has played, has improved, has played better. 
they are still static in ways. They are still, you know, telegraph the pressures and everything. And this is an offense that can take advantage of that, especially the O-Lions has a couple bumps, but uh, I'm talking about the Cowboys offense, but it's, they're still playing well and Dak's still getting them straight and they're going to get cleaned up, especially with Ty- Tyron Smith kind of getting a little healthier. I can tell he's had some mental, mental busts in the last couple of weeks, but it's like, he's still on the upswing. So, and I think they're getting Randy Gregory possibly back. They just got Demarcus Lawrence back. It's like, yeah. man, this is a good ass team. <laughs> so I'm betting on a Cowboys team that maybe the line is not indicative of where they're actually at. I think this more should be more of a minus six, minus seven line because they're, they're, it's a very, very good football team. The fact that their defense has been able to carry them a little bit, not carry them, but yes. lift them a little bit as yeah. their offense has stumbled, that's really impressive. I mean, that's what, what you see from really, really good teams. And even if it doesn't look like the formula we might have expected for why they would be elite, especially early in the season when the offense mm-hmm. was rolling, when you look at it just overall, they're pretty much as complete as anybody right now. Because there just it. aren't those two teams that have anything clicking on both sides of the ball. Maybe the Bucks, arguably. But even yeah. their defense has been a little bit uneven. So this is a strange Cowboys team, not in a bad way, in no. a way I just never expected them to be. Yeah. No. And that's the thing, too, is the Saints game, they covered. Like, it was like, everyone's like, man, you know, they, man, they, the Cowboys didn't really weren't great. It's because we expect them because they're so good. We expect them to blow people out of the water. No one's blowing anybody up this year. It, it's just like, it's not that type of year. It's not the Chiefs of two seasons ago. It's not these type of offenses. Yeah. It's more about being efficient and ability to pivot. It's like, hey, you're taking away inside runs. We can get to outside runs. We can throw the ball. Hey, you're playing soft coverages. Okay, we're going to run the ball and ro- throw a quick game. Like that's, they can just twist the uh, twist the knob however they want to. They like And I just, that's what I love about this team. And then like you just said, like the defense, when the offense isn't fully clicking, defense is like, hey, we got it. We're going to hold them under 20. Just get to 21 and we'll, we got you. And it's like, that's a good team. And it just, it's funny. It's like, even I got a little down on the last couple of weeks. I watched them again. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I feel better about this team than I did uh, maybe a week ago. All right, Shield. Let's finish this out here. What do you got for me? Yeah, Nate, I don't, this isn't a good sign for you that all three of your picks I have in my column, I'm on the same side. This, this Cowboys team is like such a good reminder of how long the season is because yeah. first six, seven weeks, I'm thinking Super Bowl contender. Then you're going, all right, they don't look right. But if any team is positioned to like get hot down the stretch, every game against the NFC East, they're getting healthy. I mean, Micah Parsons and DeMar- Demarcus Lawrence now, I mean, that's going to be like any opposing offense on Tuesday or whatever it is. It's like, all right, how are we going to account for those two guys? Who do we chip? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even talking about their offense. So you can explain away some of their issues, I think, with health and some of the yep. things you mentioned, and they could get hot here. All right, so I'm not, I'm not going to go with that one. Uh, I'm down to two here. I, you know, I did this last week, so I'll just get last week. If you remember, uh, I, I picked the Eagles and I made that my lock. And the one I was deciding between was that or the Vikings. So I made the right call. So let yep. me, let me go through my process here again. I'm deciding between <laughs> bills, Tampa or lions, Broncos the lions are 10 point dogs at Denver, that Denver team, a 10 point favorite, but you know what? I think bills, Tampa, is more fun. I feel like I've planted my flag on this yeah. Bills team. I still believe in them. I'm not giving up on them. Plus three and a half at Tampa. It does not feel good to go against uh, Tom Brady and that Bucks team, but I'm going to go ahead and do it and take the points with the with the Bills. I think everyone's down on this Bills team after Monday night, which I just viewed as like a coin flip game. You know, I yep. I, I, I didn't think that was a, a game where uh, they got totally outplayed. It was weird. Everything was weird about it. I think if you play that same game 10 times with Belichick, same approach. Uh, people will disagree with me. I think the Bills, you know, win at least half of those games. You know, I don't I think, think that's exactly right. Uh, I yeah. Feel the same so, way. so uh, I'm think counting about how many just inches away 
from that. one catch here, one catch there. Right. I understand the conditions are not in your favor to throw the ball, but yeah. that's one thing where a couple different breaks and that game goes way differently. And the yep. entire narrative and how we yeah. talk about it completely shifts. Yep, and it's happened. I mean, the Bills are one and four in these one possession games. That game, the Titans game, like, you know, and so I still believe in them. They're uh, relatively healthy. Now, the two things that make me very nervous about this game, one is Tredavious White's injury. Like, it wasn't, obviously it was not a factor on Monday night, but now you're going up. <laughs> that one t- pass, though, they <laughs> yeah. really could have used him on the field. <laughs> Now you're going up against Tom Brady. Like this Bills defense, it's going to take a step back. It's a matter of how big of a step back is it. It could be really significant, uh, and it could show up in a big way on Sunday. So that makes me nervous. And number two, uh, our great uh, Bills beat writer, uh, Joe Biscaglia, was writing about this this week, about this potential disconnect with Sean McDermott and Brian Dayball. I mean, is McDermott going to overreact to that loss? Is he going to say, I don't like getting pushed around. I don't like getting out physical. I don't like what people are saying about us this week. We better be, you know, running the ball and playing a different brand because this is not the week to do that. Your run game is not good. Your running backs are not good. The Bucks defense is very good. Like if they're wasting plays, handing the ball to Devin Singletary on first and second down, and I'm sitting over here going, I can't believe I picked the, bu- <laughs> the Bills plus three and a half. Like that is a scenario I could see playing out. So that makes me nervous. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I feel like if I'm in week 14 and I have a team that I feel like can contend for a Super Bowl, which I still believe with the Bills, and they're getting over a field goal, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take this. Like a, I don't know if it's a, like a DNA game or what, but like uh, backs against the wall, whatever cliche you want to use. But like this is a big spot for them. I mean, if they it's lose huge. this game and as intense as McDermott is and, you know, like if they lose this game after losing last week, uh, you know, I, I don't know what direction they kind of go in, but I, I think they're going to respond well. I think they're going to be able to put up points against a Bucks defense that is good, but I, I wouldn't say great, uh, and they're going to be able to pass the ball on them. So uh, I'm looking forward to this game. I can't wait to watch it. We'll see if it's yeah. over by halftime, and I'm wondering what was I thinking. That That is also possible. This may seem uh, like a strange question, but does three and a half seem low to you? Like if hmm. – wouldn't that yeah. indicate that these teams are kind of close to even? Kind of close. And yeah. just based on the way that the Bucks have played, and again, just kind of the national stink that the Bills seem to have on them right now, or seemingly would have on them, that seems yeah. pretty tight to me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, like some, like if you just look at DVOA. Right. I just, it, yeah. was, it jumped out to me. I was like, oh, three yeah. and a half. I thought it'd be it almost half. reflects the advanced stat stuff, right? I mean, DOA, yeah. I think they're yeah. one in three point differential. Like, if you're looking at those things, you're saying they are relatively evenly matched. It was three. Uh, when I first sat down to write yesterday, it's moved up to three and a half. So that that probably pushed me to uh, taking it on the show where get I can get, get that extra half point. I'm a sucker for that every time. But yeah, I mean, you, you can definitely make that case that maybe the uh, betting market, the publics aren't overreacting to what we saw Monday night. I can't wait to I can't wait to hear right. those yells I can't when, when the Bills, Bills, every time they have a tight end out there, two tight ends or a fullback out there, I mean, just going to hear Shields screaming, not pass the ball. Like, just no, 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 oh no gosh. eye formation, no hip formation. No, spread it yeah. out and chuck it. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's what's so Listen, funny when you get Dayball on these Dayball needs to have a little disconnect to, to McDermott in the headset yeah. and later say it was some type of technical malfunction. Like, you know, do what Put you need do to not do to win the game. button on the Bose headphones. <laughs> Yeah. What is it? Like, don't like uh, apologize for permission. Like, or no, don't. Yeah. Just, yes. Yeah. Just apologize. Don't ask for permission. 
All right. We're, apologize we're, we're after. We're both screwing this up, but everybody I know. hopefully knows what we That's mean. a good way to end the show with that that metaphor. I've never messed up a metaphor and idiom in my entire life. This is the first time ever. <laughs> I think I screwed up Icicle's chance in hell earlier this week. And considering the outfit I'm wearing right now, I shouldn't be misusing Icicle idioms, but that's all we got. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Sunday night with me and Nate. Until then, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Please listen to the Football GM on Saturdays. Highly recommend you do that. If you have not listened to the episode of Sando on Wednesday, I had a blast doing it. I thought it was really, really fun. I thought we dug into some interesting topics. So please go listen to that. Please listen to the Football GM as well. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. I wrote this week about the Cardinals. If you don't care about that, that's fine. There's also plenty of other great stuff on The Athletic that you should check out. We'll be back on Sunday night. Enjoy your guys' weekend. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.